Graham, you are joining us on the show. That is the shortest jingle ever. That's right. Just <laughs> dun, that, dun, dun, not dun, cut off or Like, yeah, it's, it's quick. It's fast. No it's, messing around. Back into hour number two here. It's 8.05 a.m. on a beautiful sunny Wednesday morning. Oh, you should have been up at Newcastle. 4 o'clock this morning. It was just gorgeous outside. I was. Oh, were you outside? Uh, Wasn't it, was, it gorgeous? No, I looked out the window. It was dark. That was really nice. It's actually... It's actually the only time where it's reasonable to be outside. Yeah, yeah. Oh. The rest of the time you're just getting cooked. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, man. When the sun hits, it's going to be yeah, it's gonna gonna be tough. Let's have a read of some text messages. Here we go. Oh, the first one. This is cute. Lovely to hear Mon's voice from Janelle. Oh, thanks, Janelle. Shout, shout out, Janelle. All right, pets. Okay. The oh, humans sorry. put pets before fellowship with each other. All adds to our selfish world. Seriously. Shout out Wendy from Queensland. It's so true, Wendy. She's going hard. She's like, I'd rather be with a dog than a lot of humans I know. <laughs> I mean, just to hang out. I didn't, like, you know, anyway. Okay. Interesting stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> more money spent on pets in the USA mm. than on NASA for science. Wow. Which is... Wow. That actually makes a lot of sense because That's there's more... That's mind-blowing. No, there's more pets than people going to space. Yeah, but going to space is really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. A well, can of pet food's like 55 cents. <laughs> it, well, in the, no, but in the USA, I think during the 60s was the peak of NASA spendage or space exploration yeah. spendage, which was 4% of the GDP. Wow. Of the, oh, well, of the budget, of the, the U.S. budget. How do you know this stuff off the top of your head? Um, I don't know. I watch YouTube videos sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, so this is... Well, it makes sense because we love we love our animals. Yeah. And we don't necessarily love go, going to space. Like, I don't want to go to space. I'd definitely take a, a poodle over. Oh, man, you are, <laughs> you are not on Lyle and I's level, bro. Nah. We're, we're, dude, if we could get free tickets on, on like, I'm any of, of Bezos or Musk <laughs> or whoever's flying up there, we're going. Nah. Obviously, we can't afford them. God created uh, <laughs> me on planet Earth, and that's where I will happily stay. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Until such time until he calls me to heaven. All right, uh, next Text, animals will not be in heaven during the millennium. Remember the reason for the millennium, which is that the saints will judge and all the humanity in heaven, but will be in the new heaven that is here in the new earth. Yeah, yeah this is very clear from is scripture. Is that animals in general or specific animals? Like, will my dog Charlie, who died when I was... I can't remember. But will he be in heaven? Like, so, that's what I want to know. So that, that remains unsolved. Okay. That's not what this okay. is necessarily. If anyone has to solve that, can you please prove it with Bible text? <laughs> well, the Pope declared it. So. <laughs> that's not from the Bible. <laughs> All right. And, oh, here, finally, as for, as for Spain, um, making animals legally a member of the family Sounds good, but that is like opening a Pandora's box exactly. that I totally agree with your comments mm-hmm. we were chatting about before. Yeah. There are sections in the community that also want bestiality to be legalized. Yeah. Welcome to the antediluvian world that God had to destroy. Exactly. This is and we may- will again. So yeah. yeah, you know what the Bible says: uh, in the days of you know, in the times of the end. It will be as the same as the days of Noah. Exactly. And, you know, where essentially we will see this 
morality falling off a cliff. And you might be listening right now. And and I, I think that's a lot of... When we share these signs of the times and things, I know like a lot of my family is non-Christian. Mm. And so we get into discussions about this. And I'm like, oh, well, we talk about climate change. And I'm like, oh, the Bible actually kind of predicts a lot of this stuff taking place. And it's like... And, and then but especially when you take the jump into morality, a lot of people are like, as if that will ever happen like yeah. get lost like yeah. i can imagine my dad just saying to me to the like bestiality would never be legalized that is gross and disgusting and it's like but you have to understand that morality has shifted all throughout history at yeah. all different times like and so we just need to be you know aware that that could possibly happen well tell your dad if you ever does say that it's actually already illegal it's already legal in canada bestiality so, Yikes, why did you tell me that? I, I guess I needed to Canada's know it because of the way talking about it, but I'm like... Canada's always that country that's doing that oh stuff first, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Jeez, I feel sorry for Canadians. Canadian animals, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's change the subject. Yes, please. Quick, yes, please. Pull the text, right now the no, text. No, we're, we're out of text. <laughs> no, <laughs> we, just, we just have to study the Bible now. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm actually still reeling from David Halp's um, segment. That was incredible. That was really yeah, great. It actually reminded me when my when I was a kid, my dad told me, that, um, he said, Monica, do you know what? If, if, you, if you decide it in your mind that you're not going to get sick, you can oftentimes turn the tide on when you start feeling sick. And I thought, really? And I remember like when I was a kid getting a, starting to get a cold and I would be like, no, I refuse to get sick. And it would, it would actually go away. Like it actually worked like that. Yeah. I think if you like mentally give in to it and you're like, Oh, I guess I'm just going to be sick and be lying in bed and like, you know, get all woeful and depressed, then it takes over. Well, I know that like in terms of, and I, I don't know every single particular in detail of the story. I've just heard Lyle tell it a bunch of times, specifically about um, producer Shell's dad and, her dad's brother and the health trials that they went through and how um, basically producer Shell's dad is still alive and kicking today, even though he gave a term was given like a terminal uh, diagnosis Mm. 15 years ago um, compared to his twin brother that decided that, Oh, this is, it's over. This is it it for me. And um, passed away. Yeah. And it's a great thing that, um, that uh, grandpa Ron, Mm. as DJ Shell's dad is called, yeah, <laughs> he's still kicking because now he has one and a half great grandkids. That's right, one and, and a half. One and a half. half. One's still cooking. That's Wait, a... is that public knowledge or did I just accidentally? No, it's on okay, Facebook. It's on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. I was on Facebook. Yeah, so um, Harley uh, and his beautiful wife Eliza. So Shell and Lyle's eldest son. Oh, they're shout a, out to those child. Guys. So yeah, and can you imagine if if Grandpa Ron had decided to pack it in fifteen? Yeah, years, he would have missed so much. And I would never get to experience. Like Grandpa Ron's classic moments on Facebook, where he types into the <laughs> into the newsfeed. You know, when you post something, uh, when you post, <laughs> yeah. when he he, try, he thinks that like like a, the post like Section box is is, is like Google search, and he's like NFL highlights, and I laugh every time. Like, and I, it's so funny. Yeah, do you know what? If he wasn't around, I never would have gotten to experience Grandpa Ron's homemade fudge, which is second to none. <laughs> Dude, wait! Shout out Grandpa Ron on the on <laughs> yeah, the text stick line, for guys. Fifteen please. years, Grandpa Ron. Don't go anywhere, Grandpa Ron. Ah, oh, that is so awesome. Hey, but now we're going to get into our Bible study. Do you know what Ooh. we're studying through at the moment? I have absolutely no idea. Oh, the Book of Hebrews. Get get this Bible. Hebrews. Get this Bible. I want I want this perspective. No, uh-huh. th- don't use that one. Use this oh, one. Okay, so do you want this? Please. One? No, I have my own. But okay, I, 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 yeah. So because I've got a new King James. 
Oh, aren't you fancy? Yeah, and I want you to use the NLT so you can get just a a broad range of of thoughts and ideas as we are going verse for verse in the book of Hebrews. Now, Hebrews is a part of our 20 million movement, and there's this incredible, fantastic guide that you can go through that'll take you, you know, into all different deep kind of subjects within the book of Hebrews. But Lyle was like, you know what, Lawson, we're going to do this. We're going to do this old-fashioned way, verse for verse. Yeah. And so... We spent the last two days in verse 1 and 2, and we're going to be continuing into more focusing on verse 2 now, um, getting into... Uh, well, actually, let's just cover it. Do you want to read for us, Monica? Yes. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son, God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, He created the universe. Ooh, mm. deep. Okay, mm. so we covered uh, yesterday and in the last couple of days this first verse idea, you know, kind of where the book of Hebrews come from, where Paul, oh, the, the assumed writer, was coming at when he was writing the book of Hebrews, what was his motivation, and we saw that essentially this is a sermon that he wrote to all the Jewish people that would connect Christ to their religion, essentially. He was making this bridge, this gap between everything that they believed and how Christ fulfilled filled it. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Um, we kind of put a time and a date and a kind of place on this. We know that this would have been um, issued to the Jews in Jerusalem and throughout, like, you know, the diaspora and all over uh, the known world at that time to do this work. This wasn't a, um, a writing to a particular place, but a whole bunch of different places covering this topic of how does Jesus fulfill the Hebrew religion. Uh, in terms of a time period, we understand and scholars are, are, are conclusive that it came before the AD 70 destruction of Jerusalem because it doesn't mention it at all, uh, even though the destruction of Jerusalem is probably one of the most historically significant events in Jewish history, to which they are still trying to um, overcome. And, and yeah, they're still reeling from today. You know, this issue of... Uh, Palestine and Israel that is happening today is all around basically where the, where the temple used to be in Jerusalem. Uh, off on the Temple Mount, there's a massive big mosque that's, you know, controlled by Palestine and by Islamic people. Um, and if they, like the Jews want to go and rebuild the temple there, but if they do so, um, they'll start a religious holy war. <laughs> yeah. So, but this all comes from the, the destruction of Jerusalem that happened 2000 years ago in AD 70, but it's not mentioned in the book, even though it's so significant. So we say, okay, this is a time in which this book was written before that point. Okay, gotcha. Um, but there's a lot of edification to the Jewish people. There's lots of encouraging to the Jewish people, which we went over. But we got to verse 1, and we looked at how, um, you know, he's immediately, the writer is immediately sympathizing with the Jews, immediately calling to their attention familiar things. He starts off with God. You know, they're, they're, he's not talking to Gentiles. He's not talking with people who are unfamiliar of who Yahweh is. Mm. He's like, God. Yeah. And then who at various times and through various ways spoke to our fathers through the prophets, immediately going to scripture, something that they hold very dear, you know, that they're incredibly familiar Mm -hmm. with. We covered yesterday, what were the various ways in which God spoke to his people? And we saw that it was, maybe maybe you can name some for us. What are some different ways that God spoke to the prophets? 
Through the prophets? Yeah, well, he spoke to the prophets, and then this prophet spoke to the people. But we covered yesterday, how did he speak to the prophets? I'm mainly thinking of, like, all the stuff that happened to the children of Israel with, like, budding sticks and pillars of smoke and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, right? There's a burning bush. Right, yeah. You know, with Moses. There's a still small voice with Elijah. Uh, Isaiah goes into vision. Um, Hosea lives out this life that was a great object lesson for Israel. Like, he spoke in various ways and at various times to the prophets to ultimately give them a message to share with the people. And and was it Samuel, the little boy, like he called to them in the night? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah, that story, yeah. dude. He's like living in the sanctuary and he's mm-hmm. being called to by God. Um, but then it concludes in verse 2, has, it, has now in these last days spoken to us by his son. Yeah. So it's like cut out the middleman yeah. straight through his son. We've got Now we've got his son. Hey, we've had the prophets. Now we have his son. Um, and it's interesting from this point forward until basically chapter three, the name of Jesus won't even be mentioned. Really? He, yeah. Paul is just making, or the writer is making a continue. Let's, okay, let's just say it's Paul. I keep saying Paul. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Paul is making a continuous case from scripture itself to build up and give evidence and credence to the possibility that the Messiah has come. Um, and that he and and all the things that Mas- the Messiah would do, and then as we get to chapter three and verse one, it then introduces, okay, who who was this Messiah, Jesus Christ? Um, but at this point, then he says, um, who who he has appointed heir of all things. So he also gives credence here. This is kind of where we got up to uh, last week. That we're kind of now breaking new ground, new territory. That Christ would be a recipient of power, of authority, of, yeah, he would be, even though he would come as a human and be, you know, grow up. And I'm, I'm uh, reading and listening to the book uh, Desire of Ages at the moment. It's talking. I'm oh, in the, saying how good is oh, it? Oh, it's so good. And I'm in the section right now. It's talking about his childhood, right? And kind of how he grows into the person, you know, he grows into the Messiah. Like he's always the Messiah from birth, but uh, he's, he's a child and then he becomes an adult and how he grows into that. Um, but it's getting out here, like when, when Messiah, like, he starts as a, he is a child, he is a human, but he's also 100% God. Um, and he is here. It says he is heir and appointed to all things. Um, and let's, let's actually have a read about this. Let's go to Colossians chapter one and verse 15, um, to get even some, some more perspective of what it meant for him to be the heir or, you know, appointed, um, to all things. So Colossians chapter one and verse 15, Mon, if you could read that for us. As soon as I get to the one page over, here we go. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Mm. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Yeah, awesome. Oh, I love that mm. verse. Hey. Visible image of the invisible God. Love it. That's right. So here, Paul is in, in Hebrews. He's making this case of like, oh, this is what the son would do. Now, it, Colossians, which is also written by Paul, he just he's writing to Christians and he just jumps straight to the point. He's like... Read it again for us. Oh, this is powerful. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Yes, he is the visible image of the invisible God. It was Christ himself who said, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen... 
A farmer. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't expect me to throw no, it to you. I was like, no, don't do that. Wild does that to me all the time. Oh, I have to be like on that? my yeah. toes, dude. Okay. Um, but yeah, he is. He, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Like yeah. through me, you would see. God's ideals for the world. You would see God's plan for this earth. Mm. You would see, you know, what is what is going to come of sinners and like how God is going to save them. All these different things. He and I love how it says, yeah, he is the visible image of the invisible God. But then it also alludes to that he was existed before anything was even created. So yeah, he I is mean, in the next God verse um, here in Colossians, it says that through him God created everything mm. in the heavenly realms and on earth. So yeah, before you know we all existed. It was through Jesus already that God was giving his example of who he was. Yeah, yeah. and Paul is making the same case in Hebrews chapter 2. Uh, sorry, Hebrews ver- uh, chapter 1 and verse 2. He says, In this last days has spoken to us by some whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. Like, he is just going hard like he is like guys this is this is what this is who christ is like in his essence this is who the messiah would be um and he's he's beginning to dispel and unravel any sense within them um about like oh wasn't christ just supposed to be like a military leader like doesn't the messiah just rise up they're expecting a a cyrus the persian-esque you know, Messiah. It was, so Cyrus was an allusion to the Messiah, mm. but they're expecting exactly Cyrus. Some guy who would be blessed by God. You know, maybe one of the judges even, like Samson. Yeah. Like they're ex- <laughs> yeah. expecting some guy with long hair who shows up and takes everyone down, but it's like, oh, no, this is actually a lot bigger than what you think. Mm. This guy is literally God in flesh. Yeah. Who is heir of all things. Um, but then it gets into the stuff that he would be doing um, on this earth as well. So let's read read for us verse 3 there. So Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he has, had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Mm. So now it alludes here to what the result of Christ's time on earth would be, um, but also what he would accomplish. So it says here that whom being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Now, when Christ was on earth, he was pretty human. I mean, pretty human. He was totally human. He's totally yeah. human, right? Yeah. Like he, and I read this and I, I think of those verses where it's like, oh, but you know, wasn't people saying like, oh, isn't this, Joseph's son from Nazareth. Mm. In fact, when he made his claim to Messiahship, um, people were like, "Oh, isn't this just a guy? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> isn't this just a dude? Like, what uh, good can come out of Nazareth?" But it, it it makes the point here that no, like you know, the brightness of God's glory would be manifested in him. I think this is talking. This is alluding to time future. But then, what would he do? It says he he would purge people from their sins. He would be doing the work of overcoming sin for everyone. And now again, he is trying, Paul, the writer here is trying as hard as he can from the scriptures, from his understanding of who Christ is, but also from the Hebrew mindset to say, oh, well, what would Christ actually achieve and accomplish? Yes, he would be bright and glorified and would look like God and do all these amazing things and look incredible, but he came to purge people 
from their sins. To cleanse them. To cleanse, to to overcome sin. Um, and then, you know, he'll spend a, a, a bit of time uh, elaborating on how that would happen. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We were specifically dealing with yesterday in our question of the day. Why were they... Like killed and they're they're killing like they're they're the object that was used to bring their demise was fire. Why were they burnt up and why weren't their robes burnt up? And the answer was because they were unholy, but their robes were. So, <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> if, hey, if you have a question of the day, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call. We will endeavor our best to answer it. Wait, I didn't know that. I didn't know that they got they got killed and their and their clothes didn't. Well, it's kind of inferred in the text that they're grabbed oh. by their robes, and it's like, oh, if they were killed by fire, then why weren't their robes burnt? That's so interesting. Yeah, that's that. right. Ooh, learn yeah. something new every day in the hey, Bible. There you go. Amen. And we're learning a little bit from the Bible at the moment. So we've just talked about in Hebrews, it said one of the functions of Christ on this earth, although he would be glorified, he would be um, so bright and amazing, and he has a place, uh, we'll read on, higher than the angels and all these different things, he would also purge us from our sins. Um, now, the question is, how exactly did he did he do that? How did that take place? This is something that Paul go on to expound, but I want to look at um, some examples, some just some biblical texts that kind of draw on this idea. Let's go to the book of Titus. Titus chapter 3. We're going to be reading Titus chapter 3. And oh, I, the book of Titus is so just awesome. Um, and we're going to be picking up um, from Titus chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verse 4. Um, four, five, six, maybe, maybe even seven, just that whole four, five, six, and seven. Uh, cause it's, oh, it is super, super deep. Have you got it there in front of you, Mom? No, I don't. Titus yeah. is a book I very rarely go to. So it's in the T section. You've got. I know, thanks to Timothy. The yeah, Timothy, right? Thessalonians, Titus. It's, uh, it's in that place around abouts. She's, she's. This is what happens when you use someone else's Bible. This <laughs> <laughs> was my little. I have like a little mini mini Bible. Ah, I've just gotten so fair used to, to flicking. Yeah, that one is actually tough because it's the pages pages are so big. Yeah, you like okay. Whoa, I found Timothy, so I can't be. Can't so be you got to be close to Titus there. I think it's ah. Oh, it? Here we go. Yeah. All right. Titus go. chapter three. Um, read from verse four to verse seven. Okay, they will betray their friends. Be reckless. Wait, am I on the right one? Is this chapter three? Chapter three. Oh, so no, hang on. Sorry, I'm in Timothy still. <laughs> <laughs> Just testing y'all. Just testing y'all. I'm like, that is a wild translation. I flicked over it. Right? I was like, hang on, this doesn't sound like it's on the right track. Okay, chapter three, verse... Four to seven. Four to seven. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, mm-hmm. not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Ooh, wow. This is awesome. Oh, so much to talk about here. Wow. Um, I love this point, though. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, it says in my Bible, he saved us not because of the works done by us. Now, mm. this, like, he, 
Paul here in Hebrews is making this illusion of like, guys, like he came to purge us from our sins and he will expound on this topic. But we see it right here in Titus, like already getting to the heart of the, the Jewish problem, the Hebrew oxymoronical attitude towards salvation, which was essentially, this is crazy. They're like, we are saved because we are genetically Jewish. Okay. This is their first step. And then the second step is, but also at the same time. So if you think you're saved because of you're genetically Jewish, then that means that there's nothing you can do to lose salvation, right? right? But then the second step that they somehow take from that is like, okay, so we need to protect Jewish culture, laws, and customs with our absolute utmost, and that's the only way in which we'll be saved. So we'll be saved because we inherently deserve it because of our race, but also as well, we need to strictly adhere to the law with absolutely no fault at all whatsoever, and then we'll be able to achieve salvation. Yeah, so through our works, essentially. Yeah. 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 We've earned it. Yeah. We're entitled and we earned it. We're, so, so therefore we're in. They're like, <laughs> yeah. they've, they've, they've got an insurance policy, yeah. right? Like they're yeah. like, they're like, oh, look, if, but then they they go out of their way to call other even other Hebrews wicked if they do the wrong thing and that they're like undeserving of salvation. So it's like, man, where does the line stop here? Of yeah. How do they make it? But it says here, it's like, I love this point. Um, he saved us not because of the works done um, by us in righteousness. I love going through Deuteronomy in our last quarter and God making the point even there. In a, you know, in a book and in text where it's talking about God helping Israel to dispossess other nations, you know, where you can make the case so easily like, oh, clearly God favors one race over the other. He's like, I didn't choose you because you were amazing or awesome or epic. In fact, you are the littlest. You are the worst. You are, are terrible um, and you will go astray. But I chose you because of the promise that I made to your fathers. Like, they decided to respond to my call to be my nation. Um, and if you keep responding, then I will continue to choose you. And it's making the point here. It's like, he didn't save us because of works done by us. And But then in, in my Bible here, in verse 5, it says, But according to his own mercy, by mm. washing, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Um his generosity. His generosity. Yeah, because it says he generously poured out the Spirit yeah. upon us. He generously. And now, this is where we see salvation, you know, as as just a win, 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 win situation, right? Like, there is no one losing. There is, the, in fact, the only person who's losing in us being saved, the only case you can make for a person losing is God. Because in our case, right, we've made a decision to sin against him. To leave him. Okay. And then what does he do to purge us from our sins? What's the first step? You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him might not perish. but Like, Jesus comes and dies on a cross. Okay, so that's a massive loss for God and a massive gain for us. So Jesus comes and dies on the cross. But then furthermore, he gives us the word of God. Which is like, okay, then that's the next step. It's like instructing us in every way and every knowledge that we need to know about how we could be saved, what sin is, how we can fall away from God, how we can have a better relationship with him. Epic. Awesome. And then what this is alluding to here, the next step, is that then he gives us his Holy Spirit for the purpose of renewal and rehabilitation and a bringing to righteousness. So in our case, like it's just, oh, God's like covering every single base so that we can be saved, and all we need to do is be recipients. And it's like Paul is trying to communicate that with all his heart in the book of Hebrews, and he'll go on to do so. He's like, guys, God has already given us everything in Christ. You're looking for the one to come. He has come, and he has given you everything. 
You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Right now, it is time for... Question... Question of the day. You guys made a pre-recorded We made that? a jingle, yeah. That's so cool. It is really, really cool. Okay, our question of the day is... Monica, give it to us. <laughs> I have no idea. You didn't tell me what it was. No, okay, our question of the day is... It's, it's relating to what we talked about. Oh, the pets. Yes. Okay, yeah. Is it, is it pets in heaven? Yeah. Oh, take it away, Lawson. Okay, will our Let's pets make it to heaven? Okay, 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 all right, here we go. So, I think the big question here is who is salvation for? Okay. Who yep. is salvation for? Um, and, like, okay, so we, as human beings, mm. um, well, everything in this world has been made for God's glory, mm. right? And is a reflection of Him. Okay. Amen, right? Amen. We, we would agree Amen. with that. Like, God, you know, God isn't make thing, making things, like, that are intentionally terrible. Okay, of course we are living in a world that is marred by 6,000 years of sin and a flood and all kinds of things. Um, but God isn't making worlds that aren't up to his ideals or standards. In fact, we could say because God is perfect, um, and, you know, there's a little bit of a controversy over the definition of what perfection is, um, but... We know that God is perfect, and because God is perfect, therefore his creation would also be perfect, um, up to his standard of perfect. Like, that's who that's who God is. Mm. Um, now, all of his creation, including the trees, the sky, the birds, the animals, the dogs, um, and even human beings would be, be made for his glory. But it's specifically human beings who are made in his image. And what does it mean to have the image of God? Well, God says, you know, let us make man in our image according to, to our likeness. And then he follows that up with, and this is in, in Genesis chapter 1, it says, Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let them have dominion, control, choice, the ability to direct, to guide, to lead Human beings have essentially um, a brain. Many, pretty much, nearly, nearly a lot of animals have brains. There are some animals that don't have brains. But human beings humans. have a brain, but also specifically sentience and consciousness. This is the controversial thing about this ruling in Spain that we were talking about that gives animals sentience. Animals don't have the ability to make moral choices, or at least they do, but in a very, very limited capacity, one that is pre-programmed into them whereas we have the ability to either choose to do things morally or choose to do things immorally because of higher thought and understand the consequences related to each that's right um now this has led to the consequence of the the situation that we're living in on earth which is called sin Mm-hmm. Um, the experience of sin. That's a, Because we can make those high moral choices and understand the consequences, that has led to sin, which has necessitated a plan of salvation for humanity. Now, how did that plan of salvation take place? Jesus died for who? Humanity. Um, and when we look, we get to all the way down the end of the time, you know, to the end of time, if we read in, you know, Second uh, Peter chapter three and verse 10, where the Bible says that all the, the earth and all things in it, the elements will burn with fervor and heat and be absolutely destroyed before Jesus is coming back. We know that nothing will last other than humanity itself. That being said, will there be animals in heaven? hundred percent, you know, in, in right throughout the book of Isaiah, you see examples of that. But will our pets be in heaven? And I'm ultimately going to say no. Um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna make I'm gonna make that claim right now because there is simply not a verse in the Bible that say that the animals on the earth will also be redeemed. But you can also say that there isn't a verse in the Bible that says they're not going to be in heaven. Yeah, but there are many verses in the Bible that say that the earth and the works in it and everything in it will be completely destroyed. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so because and why is that? Because our earth is marked by the curse of sin. Mm. Jesus died to take from us, as we talked about in our study today, to take from us the purge to purge from us the the effect and the curse of sin. Did he do so for the animals too? And that's where I would say I get where you're coming from. I am going to politely disagree because I do think God's going to make us happy on the earth, and that yeah. even if that means giving us back the pets that we loved. But then it's like. You know, is that just according to our own desires or is that... Well, the Bible's not clear. Well, if, but this is the thing. is like, <laughs> which hermeneutic are we using? Are we, are we saying that God wants to make us happy in all things or God, you know... Th- man, there's more discussion we could definitely yeah. have on this. Maybe we'll cover it tomorrow. I've come to the end of the show. Mm. And... and we're still arguing about We're this still, in that's right. You know what? You know what? I'm going to say. I'm going to say this to you right now. Oh, gosh. I'm going to say, God doesn't order things in terms of your desires, Mon. And nah, I, like, but God is interested in our happiness. Yeah, I think sure. this is. A, I think this is a bit like the whole marriage. You know how we think there's marriage won't be in heaven, but it will be. I think it's the same thing. But but it also could not be. I mean, fair enough, but why wouldn't either of those things Ooh, be? Oh, we need a Bible study. This is a question of the day tomorrow. Oh. Guys, thank you for listening to the show this morning. We want to encourage you to spend time with Jesus, um, getting to know him, growing in faith, um, and getting to, you know, spend time with other people too and telling them about Jesus also. But remember to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Amen. God be with you. for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.